G'day and welcome everyone. It's great to be with you on another What Is Wednesday. Uh, and we're really looking forward to again jumping further and deeper into the Bible. And uh, we're really excited for this one because uh, it's uh, quite a juicy section. Some parts well taught about, some parts um, often just associated with what you think you know about it. And so hopefully we get to break down some barriers and actually really push into what it says. Uh, and so it's great. And so this morning we have Josh Hello. and we have Kerry. Kerry's Hello. over there. She's the one that preached on Sunday and it was a fantastic sermon. So if you haven't heard it, go back and actually listen to it. And I'm Caleb and it's just great to be together. Before we jump into it this morning, let's kick off with a word of prayer. So Kerry, if you wouldn't mind for us. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it speaks to us today, that it is new and fresh as the moment it was written, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus, for your life on earth. We thank you for all the things that we can learn about, about God and about you through your word. And Lord, we ask that you open our eyes and our hearts and our ears so that we can, we can hear from you. And that may your spirit really speak to us through this time now. Amen. 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 And may I just say, while we're, uh, just before we jump in the Bible, been having some good conversations with people about some of the things we're talking about on Wednesday. But don't just limit it to online, uh, the face-to-face conversations. Throw them in the chat because... The conversations we have, probably other people really want to hear that same question. So have that uh, question in the chat so we can hopefully answer it for everyone else that needs it too. So let's, on that note, jump straight into the passage this this afternoon. And uh, we're looking at Mark chapter 12. We're getting through. We're slowly walking through it. Three weeks on this one chapter. It's great. But uh, we're looking at Mark 12 verse 18 to start with. And it kicks off like this. Then Jesus was approached by some Sadducees, religious leaders who say there is no resurrection from the dead. They posed this question. Teacher, Moses gave us a law that if a man dies, leaving a wife without children, his brother should marry the widow and have a child who will carry on the brother's name. Well, suppose there were seven brothers. The oldest one married and then died without children. So the second brother married the widow, but he also died without children. Then the third brother married her. This continued with all seven of them, and still there were no children. Last of all, the woman also died. So tell us, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? For all seven were married to her. Jesus replied, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. For when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage in this respect they will be like the angels in heaven but now as to whether the dead will be raised haven't you ever read about this in the writings of Moses in the story of the burning bush long after Abraham Isaac and Jacob had died God said to Moses I am the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob so he is the God of the living not the dead you have made a serious error Let's just hold up right there because that, we want to talk about this part first, this section of, of Scripture. And it's really quite a fascinating bit. There's, there's a lot going on and I, I kind of really get excited when we start to talk about the afterlife stuff. It's one of the few insights we get and there's going to be another one coming up uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, 
Spoilers, sorry. But it's, it's really fascinating. And, and the first thing that we note in this that might not really be so apparent to us is there's a social welfare construct that was established for the old time. And you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but we didn't go too far into it, Kerry. But can you just explain to us a little bit about this construct of social welfare that's actually in place here? So... So when you when you marry, the idea is that you will have children, and your children then inherit the land. And so if if the husband dies before there's any children, it means that that land does not stay in that part of the family. And so this uh, this law was put in place that a brother would then marry that wife in order to give an heir to his brother, so that there would be continuity of land ownership and people wouldn't lose their land through not being able to bear children. And it also has the advantage that the widow is looked after as well so that you don't have these females who are suddenly not attached to any part of the family. Yeah, that was the, pre- the secondary I was actually going to mention also was um, we read it like more so associated with Ruth and Boaz uh, is, exactly. is that she went to the feet and actually was looked after then because she presented herself to Boaz for him to look after her. And so there's this whole paradigm within the Bible, actually, how do we care for the needy? How do we care for the weak, the vulnerable, the widowed, the children even, and actually make sure they're looked after within uh, our our civilization, our culture and and society? And that was one of the really distinguishing features of the Israelite nation, the way that God put it into place, because children and and women were not valued in most of the other cultures around them, and yet God gave them value and said, you know, you are to look after these, you are to make sure that they're protected and they're cared for in their future, not just now. And that was one of the really distinguishing things with the Israelite nation, the, the thing that God said, every person is really important. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's kind of like what I love about it is it's the way that God imparts the care for the weak, the needy, and we see it in Jesus too. But this is the Old Testament way of God showing his care for everybody. And, and kind of what's sad about the world now and, and the church does this still, and this is when the church is being the church, is they're doing this stuff. But a lot of it has also fallen onto the shoulders of the government. Would it be fair to say? I don't feel absolutely. like I'm being lavish, but uh, but that's the challenge. Let's hit it off straight up with a challenge for us to start with: is actually if we're to be the church, we're actually following what the principles of God are. If we're following in the steps that God wants us to be as the church, then what are we doing like this? It's a definite call for us and it is easy just to say the government has got all that social security responsibility now and in a way we have just harvested it out. When you look at the history of the church, you'll see that the the initial schools, the initial hospitals, they were all church-driven. They were provided by the church. And then as people started to lose their faith in God, they said, well, we don't want the church to provide these things. We need a government to do it that's not, you know, biased towards God. And so over time, the church has really lost that as a key responsibility. Yeah. But it definitely started there. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I, I think we look at, I think, I think in, and maybe, maybe it's throughout sort of 
society and and history and everything. But I I know that you know these days we can definitely look at people and go, no, I don't want to be associated with that person, or I don't want to be associated with. And we have no idea what their story might be. But Absolutely. We, and, and yeah, you know, it's it's we should be opening arms to to be able to bring these sort these people in because we don't know what their story is. We we have this minute of, or well, not even minute, this second of judgment that we have on on a person. Um, depend and they might just be having a bad day, <laughs> um, but they be, might be really hurting and need sort of the um, just someone's help or just someone someone to sort of bring them in or just someone to listen listen for them to. Um, and they could just to talk about or, or for, you know, this, this building, this place for them to sort of um, to come in, to be sheltered and for a safe place to be, to be brought into. Mm. Absolutely. And I do love remembering that churches started hospitals, churches started public schools and these sorts of principles that were established because it's an external outlook about God going out to the world and I think, unfortunately, and without calling, this isn't aimed at anyone, but the church has turned into an internal look. How do we just kind of look after ourselves? How are people just going to fall back in? And this is why it's such an emphasis on partly what we have here at New Beginnings about discipleship. It's about going out and being really intentional with actually how it's not an internal, just look after your own, because that's important too, but it's actually an external expression too. And so, you know, things like the community cafe, that's a good activity that does this. Uh, And, and, you know, we get asked sometimes about how it's run or I have quite a few people that come up to me and go, oh, that's fantastic. Like, what can we maybe do to help? If it was at a different time, we could volunteer or something. So, So there's also a real like desire that people see in that to actually be a part of that as well. And so just changing that perspective from internal to external. But what, what we were talking about the social welfare, but it leads to another major conversation. Mowage. For anyone that's seen <laughs> The Princess Bride, Mowage. <laughs> what brings us here today? Together. Together. And yeah, you. gathered yeah. here together today. <laughs> the sight of God. <laughs> and, and what's happening is these Sadducees, which Kerry explained the difference between Sadducees and Pharisees very well in her sermon. So again, mm. go back and listen to it. But um, what they're doing is they actually, they're trying to trip up Jesus because people are getting envious they're getting uh, angry by his following, his teaching, his calling them out. And it's all part of this small period of time where they're at a festival and Jesus is at the temple. So he's breaking down a whole heap of things. He's disrupting the, the status quo and he's taking away power from those that are seeking power through religion. Um, and so these guys come up and they talk about this concept of marriage and they have a misunderstanding on the afterlife. I might not, before I say too much, I might just leave it there and let one of you two jump <laughs> in on this because, Josh, you had a really interesting reaction to this and, Kerry, yes. you've got a different reaction, which is awesome. I think my, my sort of initial reaction, just hearing this for the... And, and Sunday wasn't the first time hearing this, but I, I remember when I first heard this passage and, and first hearing about about marriage in heaven and uh, marriage in the afterlife. Or the lack of. Or the lack of. <laughs> the lack of. Um, and being really sort of 
down about it and be really sort of going, oh, and like, or um, really just going, oh, really? That's that's sort of what's going to happen. And then that's and that's coming from a place of not actually understanding, not um, being fully aware of what that meant um, when we get to heaven. And I think that sort of comes from a place, and especially I think it's something that either it's stereotypically young Christians or young people, um, that marriage is the end goal and marriage is the, is almost uh, worshipped more than God, even when it comes to getting to the point of marriage or the relationship or whilst in marriage and not actually allowing any sort of relationship to be both the two people and God as, you know, and God at the centre of, of it. And so, and I think... And especially in my brain, I you put this sort of this on a pedestal, and then to read the words, um, you know, you won't there like there won't be marriage in heaven. You kind of like so I've put all this work into it, and then nothing, you know, that mm. sort of thing. But that but then that's not but then that's not fully understanding it. That was my initial sort of worldly thoughts on this great thing, and then to hear it then get stripped away. It was kind of a bit like, huh. And the one thing I'd add to your list is kind of what you got to there at the end. An mm. incomplete understanding of yes. God's intention for marriage mm. and what that represents for us in this world. Um, but Kerry, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I, I get that, that you you've, you love this person. Yeah. And so when you're in heaven, you think heaven is going to be just a reflection or a, a magnified version of what life is like on here. And I think in lots of ways it is magnified. And we still have a relationship with that person. It's just not that we're married or given in marriage. That's So it's a different, we are in fact, um, I suppose, more of a relationship with God because we don't have that sinful part of our flesh that's keeping us away from God. And so God is our true focus, um, not to take away from our lovely relationships mm. here on earth, but God is the one who's the focus and the centre and and the one who's worshipped and... Mm. And we share that with all the people we love. Yeah, and it's not to say that you wouldn't also see, you know, any other people in 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 heaven or anything, um, or anything to to that extent. And you have all those all those friends, families, exactly. all those loved ones yeah. with you. But God at the center, and God and God there. My dad, he always used to. He, he he set the bar high for us with the like truth of what things were and it was incredible because the way he kind of described marriage for us as kids is it's the closest you'll get to a most complete union before you enter that union with God one day in the future. And so it really sets up this establishment of this in the relationship of marriage is actually the closest intimacy that I'll experience outside of that intimacy of God. And, and being a part of that and then understanding that this is what that's meant to reflect is that relationship that God desires with you. And that's why he uses imagery such as Christ is the bride for, the bride of the church and stuff like that. I think I got around the wrong way, but that doesn't matter. The the church is the bride church of Christ is, bride, yeah. is, is correct. Come on, Caleb. But... Um, the, but that imagery isn't accidental. This imagery is intentional because that is the intimacy that God desires. And so when you start to reflect on these words and how Jesus uses the Old Testament to actually then start talking about what's to come in the future, 
it really just establishes that that relationship in marriage that we receive is actually going to be completely fulfilled when we're in the presence of God and we won't actually really probably care what's going on around us anyway because we're going to be so absorbed by actually being in the presence of God. You know, Moses had a short experience of it and his face came back glowing. Um, But we'll be so caught up in that next part and not much that we can say about the next part because the Bible's kind of, it tells us some things, but it doesn't tell us all about it. But we do know that there's going to be a place where God's got us together with him in that perfect union. It's exciting. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. Yeah, we can't really understand what it's going to be like in heaven, but we know that it is the most fulfilling, exciting, beautiful, fabulous place you can ever be because it's totally in the presence of God. Yeah. The other thing I might add to that is that I think when we kind of talk about this next part, like the next part of our life beyond death, we often try and associate it with the world we have now. Uh, and even to the point where there's going to be no sin. And so even this world that we experience, which is filled with sin, you can't take any of that to the next part. You, you just have to come into that whole aspect with a completely blank slate because there's going to be no lust. There's going to be no uh, anger, like no unjust anger. Yeah. You know, there's, and there's going to be no reason to be angry because everything will be just. Like the paradigm that this world will be, if we use that language, will be completely different to what we can experience here because it's going to be like Eden pre-fruit, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And no selfishness and no self-centeredness and no, so no thinking about what I need or, or what I want or where's my partner or how do I draw life from that because, like you say, there's no, there's no sin in heaven and we can't understand that because we're so, we live in it. It's sort of mm. murky around us all the time. Mm. Which is really hard to try and wrap your head around how that, I mean, I for myself, I can't imagine what that would be because then my mind goes to what is happening in this world and what and what's happening. So even though no matter how much you sort of, like for, for me anyway, how much you sort of imagine it, it sort of gets pulled back and it's because we, we just, we've, we've got insights but we just will never know until until we get there. Absolutely, you end up in this Indiana Jones moment where you try and like understand it to this point where you explode, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it's really fascinating though how that Jesus doesn't leave it there. Mm. He actually then goes to continue to say something really important. God is the God of the living. Yes. He doesn't leave it with you die and something happens. It's actually this is, there is life beyond death. And it's a real correction. Kerry, tell us about God of the Living. Tell us about God tell of us the about living. it because you're the you're the the master here. <laughs> well, what do you mean the burning bush thing? No, let's the burning bush and what is it like? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Like, yeah. let's yeah. unpack some of that. Yeah. Well, even when Jesus was transfigured, Moses and Elijah were there. Um, he's the God of the Living. Like. We see death as sort of the end because people aren't with us anymore. But life is more than that. In fact, life is eternal. Like true life is really eternal. This is really just a bit of a foretaste, I suppose, of it. 
but the true life is actually eternal life that we have with God. And so, you know, God God isn't the, the God of the dead, of Abraham and Isaac who've all passed away and Moses and Elijah. Um, he's the God of the living because they're alive with him now. Yeah. Mm. And he's the God of now. He's the God of now. He's, yeah, he's of, I mean, all, all things, but not, you know, not to um, even in sort of in, in our moments here, he is now. Is now, yeah, and I think that's really important because I think that's the one of the major applications from this verse. These verses is when we're reading it, it's so easy to get swept up in the future stuff. That's exciting. That's that's empowering. But the the, the thing about this is that life starts when you accept Jesus to its fullest, and that's when we start our journey, and that's when it happens. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you know. It's it's about actually from this point of acceptance of Jesus that you start to move through that. And the important part is how are you doing it? Right? We're alive now. We've got Jesus now. What are we doing with that? And it's like Josh says, it's, it's every moment. It's every moment tapping in and being aware of the presence of God because the Holy Spirit is with us all the time. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He's always there. But we turn away. We look away. We get distracted. We, we don't realise the presence and the power of God is with us all the time. And he wants us to be aware of that so that we can start to be, you know, moulded and directed and corrected by him. So that, you know, moment by moment we can say, okay, this is what God wants me to say. This is what God wants me to do. This is how God wants me to be, including rest or speaking or whatever. Um, yeah, it's every single moment. And I think we sometimes forget that it's in the moments where we're at our best, but also at our worst, like you said, the, of, of life and rest. And but, in, but even the moments where we may be with crowds of people or we're just alone ourselves, even if it's both whilst we're thriving or in sin, he's all there, you know, behind closed doors or out with friends and family. Um, you know, it... it um, we easily in any sort of, I think, moment. Um, it's like that whole thing, are you only praying when times are tough or are you only praying when, like, you know, things are going right or when you need a car park because you're running late and you're like, Lord, I just need this one park. I'm going to then go do everything great and, do you know, give the ultimatum that, you know, I'm sure we've all sort of experienced or heard. You know, it's it's in every it's moment, not just those. Car park. Absolutely. It's a It's a... They say, what is the word, the phrase, uh, the Christian life isn't a moment but a lifestyle. Mm. Mm. And it's something that only can be worked on or gone through when you actually spend time because in those moments of pressure, when you're maybe not your highest, you, you, it's when you've got those Bible verses ingrained in your heart or when you've got the, the, the nature of Jesus that you've been imitating for a long time that that stuff's actually going to come through. Which is interesting enough, a segue for the second part of the passage. Let's, let's uh, jump quickly back into the last part of this, this passage that we looked at on Sunday. And, and it's the great commandment, the great commandment. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? 
And Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The teachers of religious law replied, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all of the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. Realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. That's kind of cool. I like that at the end. No one dared. Just in chance of embarrassment. Gary, you actually know that prayer in Hebrew, don't you? The Shema prayer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Can you do it for us? Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. That's love the Lord your God with all. Yeah. The Lord your God is one. It's pretty, pretty awesome. It's uh, it's kind of cool how you can learn things like that, and and it does hold an element of uh, power within the natural language of it too, because it has this um, something that it holds with it too, a grandeur almost. Um, let but let's talk about the passage. What are they doing here? there's something happening. Again, where we know that they're trying to test Jesus. They're trying to trip him up. They're trying to get him for heresy or something like that. And so they hit him with this massive question of, well, out of all the Old Testament scriptures, out of their Torah and all the rest, what's the most important part? And Jesus hits us with this response. And it's really like a summarization of everything. It encapsulates the whole instruction of God, which kind of then, like, it even incorporates some of that social welfare we're talking about. If you're doing this, then you will be doing that. Like, if you're doing, if you're loving God, you won't be making idols. If you're loving your neighbor, you won't be lusting after their property or something like that. That's right. And I think they thought he was just going to pick one, just one. This is the one we have to concentrate on. But what he did, in fact, was, as you say, he summarised the whole of the law with just these two statements. Mm. So he didn't, he didn't undermine any part of the law. In fact, he, he sort of soaked it all up and he said, here you go, here's a summary of what you've got to do. But all of the law is important. Mm. And I think it's amazing the sort of like... And, and I mean, I've said this. I, I said I said this last week, but just the amazing of just knowing the Old Testament, of knowing those scriptures extremely well to the point of being able to summarize this this all. Because even then, I was just like, as we were talking, like talking about, I was looking at it, and I'm looking at the footnotes, going, you know, that that comes from this part. Um, and this, you know, this part comes um, specifically from Deuteronomy. But it's like just to be able to sort of summarize it is and 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 have it that so concise and clear for for people to understand um and even us for us today because it's quite it's quite simple i would um i'm much more appreciative of this version (laughs) than having to remember all thousand laws in the Mm. old testament (laughs) this one is way more stomachable for me love people love god except the other way around first (laughs) the uh but what i love about it and, and there was a there was a reference to this in your sermon again but Jesus doesn't just leave it there. He's added to it. 
love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and the part that he added being strength. He added mind. Oh, sorry, mind. Yeah. Added mind. Yeah, I always mind. just assumed it was the last part, but that's why I guess the Sadducees didn't have it in their part when they respond. But heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and what really that highlights for me is that this is a whole body encompassing love that we got to desire to have for God. You can't, and I think it also shows the beauty of our, our being, you can't love something with one aspect. Like you can understand things, but that's not love. Like, but when you love it with your thoughts and you love it with your heart and you love it with your spirit and you love it with your strength, you go out of your way to do stuff, but you can't separate it. And when one falls short, then it's going to crumble very quickly. Mm. And I think it's 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 so sort of simple in that. And then we look sort of further on where it's, you know, this is more important than the offering, like all the burnt offerings, is because we can get so sort of swept up in this, our sort of traditions, our worldly, our humanly sort of... Um, sort of very religious-y sort of um, activities that we do, I mean, um, that we sort of get lost in it without just like all you have to do is love love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your body and all your mind and and then, you know, the neighbour is equally as yourself. Um, you know, we can get swept up in things like um, the... Uh, I'm just trying to think of like, you know, things like maybe like Ash Wednesday or things like um, Palm Sunday or, or, or other sort of, as well as that they're important, don't get me wrong, they're important. But if we're just sort of um, always having, um, looking at it of this grandness or, or saying um, just our, our mind is only focused on these very sort of either traditional or th- we've always done this in, you know, in this building or in this church, we sort of get, we sort of fall into the trap of losing um, what sort of comes first. The most important. The most important, the most important part. And even just things like, for me, being in the band or preaching or doing this, all good things, but what is my motivation? Mm. What, why am I doing it? Is it because I'm loving God with all my heart mind, and strength? And, yeah. Or is it because, you know, I want to show that I'm actually serving God? Mm. Is there a part in me that's selfishly being fulfilled by doing those things or is it purely, you know, to to glorify God? Mm. And, you know, that's, you know, that's the same as all those burnt offerings and sacrifices. We can be doing good things but actually our motive is slightly off. Mm. You could you could rock up, you could rock up for your entire life on a Sunday, sit there, do everything, be a good member, be part of the community, do your part. But if you don't love the Lord and you don't do any of that, then it sort of means nothing. That's right. That's awesome. And and what I was just thinking while you guys were talking about that is kind of reflecting on how actually society still holds to a lot of the original biblical commandments. So I just pulled up the Ten Commandments on, on my phone while we're talking about that. And it, this this is the Ten Commandments. Some of them, uh, I think it's the first three, we really have neglected maybe a society as a standard. But then after that, you start to see that society is still bound by these principles, which is then reflected in the summary that Jesus presented. So the number one being, I'm the Lord your God, thou shalt have not any other strange gods before me. As church, 
That's something we des- we 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 own it. Like that is core to the central belief. Thou shalt not take the lo- the name of the Lord thy God in vain. If you are, that's maybe something to work on. Um, but that's another one. Remember to keep the Sabbath, the holy keep holy the Sabbath. Honor thy father and mother, which may be harder for some people than others. They're not every parent is unfortunately the best model for their children. But thou shalt not kill. That's a it's a law. Don't murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor. Don't covet things the neighbor's wife. Thou shalt not covet their neighbor's goods. And so it's funny how all these sort of like principles are things, even if they're not law, such as like you can have affairs. Sadly, affairs happen. They're not necessarily a law, um, but he did. Like we, we still look down on it in society. We don't encourage cheating. Um, and, and so what we're doing, like what, what's incredible about this is you see where all these things are and you can easily be caught up in the list of it. But actually what Jesus is saying, look at the motive underneath all these things. And it's, we, we always see Jesus coming back to the origin of it. Why is this there? More so than what is it that we have to do? And if you're loving God, you're not going to use his name in vain. You're going to make time for him and you're going to only have him as your God. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to cover it. You're going to respect those that have brought you up or looked after you. It's, it's an incredible um, evaluation. But yeah. what are you going to say, Kerry? Oh, well, I was going to say one of the reasons why Jesus added mind into uh, into the mix is that because in the Hebrew understanding, heart included thoughts and feelings and emotions in our will. But the Greeks, as they'd gone into philosophy, they saw a different part of the body as being the mind. And so they'd separated out mind. So Jesus in making it contemporary and making sure that nothing's left out for anybody because it's it's the whole of your being. He included mind. Yeah. Mm. Um I mean, even I mean, even thinking of it like we, I could, we could be sitting here right now, and my mind could be elsewhere. You know, yes, it could be elsewhere. It yep. could be elsewhere. I could be thinking of, you know, what am I doing tonight, or what's, you know, what have I got in, um, you know, after this, or, or things like that. And then I'm not being present, present in mind here, as well as the body. You know, my body's here, but my mind might be elsewhere. And then I think then that sort of follows, then sort of everything will sort of follow suits of, you know, where's your heart at? You know, if, you, um, if, you're, if you're mentally not present here, where's your heart then at? And then, you know, er, um, everything else sort of has this domino uh, effect as well in yeah. it. And so your mind, you know, you having, including your mind in that, I think is also that, you know, you're, you're where your mind is at, yeah. you know, is your mind is on God. And Jesus did extend for the Pharisees. They they saw murder as the physical act. But Jesus said, if you, you know, say you're an idiot, if you call somebody an idiot, or if you think in your heart that you want to kill them, then that's in the effect of murder. So the mind is that power that is within us that does distract us, that does take us away from the love of God. And so therefore we need to, yeah, focus our mind on him. And with 21st century psychology, 
you hear all the time about the power of positive um, positive affirmation or like all all the different ways of doing that. And yeah, what you think, how you think will affect your attitude, your mood, productivity, efficiency. So it's no surprise that mm. God being God knows everything about his creation and is able to input that in that space. And again, not to counteradict, contradict the passage to start with, but actually to expand that probably for an audience greater than what was just the Hebrew nation. So being the Greeks also and subsequently really beneficial for us to help understand as well. Oh, definitely. And like like Paul says in some some part of Philippians, you know, to to think on what is good and pure and you know what is uh, beneficial, because when you put your mind on those sorts of things, then you're naturally going to be thinking more godly. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing what the what the sort of the brain can do. I mean, I remember hearing sort of an interview with a with an astronaut, and he he would say that when. They, when his sort of team were together and, it, and they were full, fully sort of kitted up in their full suits, even though the vacuum of space is really cold, it was extremely warm in their space suits. What they did as a mental thing was one person in that sort of team would go, oh, it's a bit cold. And yes, that's not physically making them cooler, but mentally they're not sort of worrying about, they're, 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 it puts them into a mental state of they're not so now what having to worry about that or they're sort of not necessarily, tr- it's kind of tricking the brain but it's sort of putting that mind of I don't need to now worry about the heat or I'm not, I don't need to worry about about the heat and there's um, these sorts of, it's amazing how the, the brain of this, these simple sort of mind states that we can be in or put ourselves in to, put on, to be on the flip side of it of the negative, the negative side of it, if we put ourselves into a negative headspace uh, rather than a positive one, then that can also then affect and how sort of, you know, it's a, the, the brain and the mind and everything's just Look, we could do crazy. a whole different yes, podcast could, on psychology, like but <laughs> this, that's, it's, it's great and it's interesting stuff. But it even we want to end on this thought. There's Jesus' response when he notices that the Pharisee, or the Sadducee rather, is actually wise in his response to Jesus' summation. And what Jesus says to him is he says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And even just with this conversation, I wonder, was it that he got three out of four aspects? You know, there's the fourth one coming? Or or is it like that he's maybe 75% on all of the way? You know, like, what does this mean? You are not far from the kingdom of God. And more importantly, what does this mean for us and how do we help identify whether we are living in the kingdom of God or whether we're just in this place, which is not quite there, so technically you're not? I I think this this young scholar had worked it out in his mind. I think he'd, he'd worked out, you know, what God wanted from him, which was to love him rather than sacrifice. But he hadn't quite made that commitment to Jesus yet. He hadn't quite accepted that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Lord. And I think that's the next step that he had to take. Um, So that's why he's near the kingdom of God, because he's close, he's understanding the principles of the kingdom of God, but he hasn't done that personal thing of accepting Jesus as the Messiah. And it's a really... I love that thought and I I think we keep coming back to this point of they've been seeing signs and stuff 
but they got all these years of training, education, understanding, uh, even cultural expectations as the one committed to the temple to learn, um, all these things, and they haven't yet seen Jesus resurrected. You know, and so really that's where the power for our lives comes from is in the resurrection of Jesus beating the grave. And so you kind of almost feel sorry for this fella because he gets it. He's he's logically there, but he's just yet to be able to make him his leader, make him his savior. And it almost begs the question, did he once he heard the stories afterwards? Mm. Yeah. There were people of the day, though, who had made, made that leap. And they were the people who were following him around, the disciples. And they tended not to be the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they were so consumed with their knowledge that their knowledge was keeping them from understanding that Jesus really was the Messiah. And I think that's, that's an important thing for us today. Sometimes we can get caught up in thinking about, you know, how do I accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour, whereas it's a decision I decide. You know, I have enough information to to see this man for who he is and I want to accept him into my life. I want to follow you, Jesus. And it is a step of faith. Mm. Absolutely. And so if we think about it then from this example, seeing that step of faith almost being taken, he gets it but not quite there. And we say, have we taken that step? Uh, Do we love the Lord with our heart, soul, mind, strength? Do we want to live in the kingdom of God currently? Let the God of the living take our life and actually be the one that directs it. Do we want him to be the one that we surrender to? Or are we going to just understand but not take the step? Exactly. Exactly. And what is it, what is that need within us that we can't get fulfilled any other way but through Jesus? And when we recognize that and we go, yeah, okay, I need you, Lord. I need you. I can't do this life without you. And I think it's, it gets to that point, almost like what's happening here with this Sadducee. You get to it in the narration where you get to the point of, after that, I have no more questions. You know, like, I've heard all I need to hear. I know all I need to know. And now it's time for me to either make or break what that relationship with God can be. Um, It's been a great chat. Mm. Really good Mm. chat. Uh, Any final thoughts before we wrap up? I did did have one. And now it's gone. So I'm just thinking about it. (laughs) There was a final thought and... um, because it's just a lot to lot to sort of think about, lot to sort of ponder. About. We did pre-warn it was a juicy. Mm, mm. I think there was, I, yeah. I, I think that sort of, um, for me, it's it's sometimes grappling when you when you do fully understand sort of what these passages say, and it's that what like like how we sort of um, have said in previous weeks, the wrestle that you have and um, the wrestle that you might have with with God um, of that understanding and, and, and sort of, you know, putting your, your heart and mind, mind into what, what is being said and sort of changing 
um, either your way of life or your views to better sort of align yourself or to bear the to bear the good fruit. So, for um, for example, like the the I think even even though there's the for me there's the better understanding of marriage after death. I still have that slight sinking feeling, and it's so, and it's still um, because I've still have still in the back of my brain those preconceived notions um, of it, um, and so for me, I think you know, um, it's still to have you. There still will be wrestles with with sort of your understanding from all this, as as well as the wrestles that they had at the time whilst Jesus was giving this um, to the more, that we will also then have wrestles as well, even even on the sort of simplest of passages and, and stuff like that, um, that we might go, yes, this is great, but we still have that sort of wrestle and we might come, but, you know, and, and, and that sort of, and I think for, you know, at least for me, that's sort of the waves of, of oh, no, I get this, and then no, no, I don't, and no, but I do, I do, and then I don't. And I think that's okay because it shows we're engaged. Mm. And I think the the one thing is we don't want to undervalue the mind. God gave us a mind. God gave us the ability to think things through and and to investigate things and to use our scientific knowledge and whatever. But we don't want to overvalue it either. We don't want to overvalue it to the point where we don't accept the beauty of God, the beauty of his word, um, and and the fact that, you know, we we can't really understand God. I mean, he's sent Jesus to show us who he is. Um, he's revealed himself to us, but ultimately he is, you know, someone who is so far above us and um, not to say that he's removed or anything, but we need that step of faith to really accept everything that he has for us in the word. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's so beautiful. And I think the thing that I feel uh, encouraged to kind of say at the end of all this too is that this isn't a fairy tale. The, the, these teachings, these words were said like it's not not like a Hans Christian Andersen story to give something. This is actually life. God came to earth 2,000 years ago and these are the encouragements for us now. These are the guiding steps for us to take so that we can be a part of this life with God. And so I just really feel like I need to encourage people in this moment to actually take this literally. Uh, There's a seriousness to this uh, as well as there is uh, an encouragement and an empowerment through it too. Mm. Mm. And I think we sort of can sort of, for those watching right now, whether that be live or watching it later, look at this most important commandment and sort of ask yourself, are you going to love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your you know, all your soul, and as your and your neighbor as well? Are you going to do? Are you going to do that? You know, make that make that choice choice right now. And you don't have to come up with an answer straight away. But I think it's sometimes a choice that we need to sort of just go. Yes, I'm going to do that. Yes, yes. There you go. Go back 30 seconds and listen to those few comments a few times because there's some big ones at the end there. But it's been fantastic spending this time with you. Uh, thank you for taking the time to be a part of it. And uh, if you ever want to catch up of anything, go to our website, mbu.org.au. It's got all the material there. Uh, letting It's got what's happening in the life of the church. It's got all the different ways to join in. And uh, it's also great. And then if you want further stuff, you already want one of the social media platforms, but there's Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, 
um, Vimeo, if you've got Vimeo. So jump on those as well and hit the subscribe or whatever it is that you do so that you can be notified when this stuff is happening. Um, but that's all we have for today. And we will look forward to seeing you either Sunday or next week.